I didn't get that opportunity to explore my sexuality when I was younger. And so I felt like I was held back as if you were like held back from grade school or something like that. I was trying to play catch up. Listeners, welcome back to West Stories, a podcast for the strange, the small, the silly, and the secret stories we tell ourselves, now told anonymously to you by the people who lived them and are living them still. In this sixth episode, you'll hear the saga of a stolen identity and the struggle to reclaim control that takes our storyteller all the way to the podium in state government. Just a quick content warning, this episode mentions sexual violence and self-harm. And as always, if you have any questions or concerns, please contact West Stories on Facebook or via email. Enjoy the story! When I was in middle school, I started to kind of like realize I was gay. Kind of just googling random things at like 10 o'clock at night. It, it was just kind of a lot of, I don't want to say like probing. But like, I got my first real legit laptop that was mine, I want to say like 7th grade. And so I used that, like my first real introduction was Tumblr, because that's what everybody, like every middle school kid does, and they kind of find their niche on it. And so mine was kind of exploring my sexuality by looking for other 14, 15 year olds who were also curious, like watching those coming out videos on YouTube, that kind of thing. And that's... I was remember watching, I think it was end of seventh grade, I remember watching like a coming out video or like something in that genre, and I just started crying because I like resonated with that story, and that's kind of like when my, I don't want to say breaking point, but like that's kind of when I realized, damn, I'm not straight, <laughs> that's gonna be tough. It was hard because my mom, she comes from Roman Catholic, very conservative, not like super religious, but like I went to church, to, I got my um, first communion. Like I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. My dad came from like a much more liberal, agnostic, a little more chill. His sister is lesbian. So I kind of figured if anyone, his side of the family would be like more supportive and kind of stuff like that. School, I had like a mixed group of friends. I kind of like hung out with a bunch of different kids, but I was like very friendly with everybody because we had all grown up together. And so like I thought about it and I knew certain people that I could probably talk to. I didn't really start telling people in middle school until like eighth grade. I was like, oh yeah, like I'm bi-curious because I still didn't really know what any of it meant and I was still like low-key in denial. But my whole outside of school life was a lot of Tumblr. It's like half dating this kid not really dating but like we would talk on kick and like that kind of thing nothing real kick is kind of like a messaging app that is make your own persona and kind of connected to your email your your phone so it's separate from your phone itself um a lot of people use it for like chatting a little more secretly and that kind of thing my dad had always been like very paranoid and very controlling in my life whether it was um like going to baseball practice, like even if I didn't want to, or more forcing me to play sports and like all that kind of stuff kind of fit into his ideal teenage persona or preteen persona. In sixth grade, he got it in his head that I wasn't portraying myself in the best way on like Facebook and like G chat. And so he took it upon himself to change the passwords to all my social media. And so in like early sixth grade, which is like basically when I got Facebook. He kind of just took control of my image. 
remember if he told me he was changing the password. I went to log in, and it was different. But either way, I would have, I would have been like, okay, because I was kind of scared of him. And then, so he started posting stuff about bands from like when he was growing up, music and girls in bikinis and surfing and cars. Kids would be like, why are you posting this stuff on Facebook? Like, what is any of it? Because no freaking 14 year old who was born in 1998 knows who freaking, I don't know, any of these people are, any of those people were. I had to like it. Because otherwise people would be like, something's up. And I didn't really want to, like, get in trouble or anything like that. And I would kind of just pretend. And so that's kind of like when it really started. Yeah. So I didn't have control of Facebook. He friended like a thousand twelve hundred different girls in the area that were like potential dating prospects for me seventh grade he made me meet up with this girl he like picked me up from school and i was like gonna go hang out with a friend and he was like get in we're going somewhere and i was like okay i don't really want to but um so he drove me to the mcdonald's and he like picked up the girl and just went inside and so i was supposed to like hook up with this girl in the car while he was inside so I didn't, like, have sex with her, but she gave me a blowjob, and it was terrible. The blowjob and the overall experience were both very bad. Um, I mean, I was also in seventh grade, so I didn't really know too much, and I didn't know it at the time, but I wasn't into that. And then eighth grade winter is when things started intensifying. He, I guess, somehow figured out my, my laptop had a touch ID fingerprint scanner kind of thing, and so in my sleep, he must have gone through that and so opened my laptop, saw a Tumblr. And then my phone at the time was an Android, so you could just change the password if you knew my Gmail password, which he did. And so, like, when I was sleeping, he would go through my stuff and kind of see stuff. And so he'd, he, like, started freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, my son's gay. And so winter in eighth grade, we got back from a farmer's market, my mom's sister and I. And I was, like, really excited because we got these, like, really nice-looking pastries. And I really wanted to eat them, and I thought it was, like, really artsy, and so I was, like, taking pictures of them close up, and, like, from different stupid angles. But, um, and so he's, like, we're going somewhere, and I was, like, where are we going? And he's, like, you're gonna go meet a girl. I'll tell you on the way. And I had no idea who this girl was. And so, basically, he dropped me off at this house and drove away. Before he was, like, I just want you to try this out. Like, if you are into the girl, you never have to talk to her again. But if you're into her, then, like great and so like I went into it I was like okay I don't like girls I'm not gonna like this girl just hang out with her for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever and then and then never see again and that didn't happen we hung out on the porch and we kind of just like talked I remember what we talked about I remember she liked sharks I like sharks so we talked about that for probably a little bit I think I had a book on sharks that he like gave to me because he knew she liked sharks and so he would like text her from his phone pretending to be me, called her pretending to be me. And so that December we started dating. So he would like set up all our dates pretending to be me and just say like, okay, we're going here. Like, this is what you're doing. He made me like leave Christmas that year to go see her family for Christmas. And it turned out to be like my grandmother's last Christmas. And so I was just crying. Um, like in the middle of the living room and um no one really did anything to like stop it it's hard because obviously like my aunts and uncles would have had no idea like they weren't in the house they didn't see it at all but my mom 
we still talk about it now, and one day she'll claim that she knew it was going on, and that she tried to fight him, and, like, would always try to, like, help me, but I never saw any of that happening, and then another day she'll claim that she had no idea anything was happening, and this is all news to her, um, seven years later, and so I don't really know, but I just remember feeling alone. People were around me, but, like, no one really talk to me like people ask like do you want to go and like that kind of stuff and I would just cry and say no and then my uncle who like was is probably the most outgoing of all of them tried to talk to my dad about it and I think my dad explained the situation my my uncle was like okay go ahead but I basically ended up dating the girl for from December all the way through to May like I had sex with the girl like same McDonald's deal everything because I was I was, like I was scared because if I told my mom or if I told anybody then I was certain that my phone would get taken away or my laptop and like that was the only thing I really had at that point I still hadn't had Facebook so like just texting my friends that was kind of all I really had so I didn't want to lose that when I was with her most of the time I was kind of just thinking about like when is this over? When am I supposed? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Like sometimes he would spell it out for me and like, oh, we're gonna go to McDonald's and you're gonna have sex with the girl, and he would know if I didn't because she would complain because they're like we were supposed to have sex that day or something like that. She would complain to what she thought was me saying like, oh, I thought we were gonna have sex. Why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? It was a lot. I remember like using scissors. I was like too scared to cut myself, so I take scissors and like cut my hand not like wrist or anything I like started on like the side of my wrist like this whole part of my hand was in this part the like fleshy part between your pointer finger and your thumb then no one did anything when they saw it my dad saw my scars and he told me to stop because I look like a drug addict not to stop for my own mental health not to stop for my safety just for my image and so that the girl didn't see it so I think she suspected something was up because there were always inconsistencies. My dad and her would plan something or whatever, or talk about some event happening in the future, and then when her and I would be together, she would mention it, I'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? So she'd be like, what do you mean? We were talking about this for like a week, that kind of thing, because he would never tell me, and then I would get yelled at for not knowing. And so that, and then like towards the end, I think she started to realize, because I was a little more like distant and stuff. We went up to my house in Massachusetts for a weekend, just the two of us. It was probably like January, February. I think we just went for a weekend. I remember that was when I had my iPod Touch. It was those kind of days where you had your iPod iPod Touch and your like non-smartphone. So you could still play like Hoppy Jump or whatever that thing was called with the like elephant guy. And so at that time I had Kick on my phone too. And the kid who I had talked to before, there was actually three of us. Me, this kid who lived in Hartford, and the kid who lived in Orlando who had one testicle. <laughs> I remember that specifically. Um, and so I had been talking to the guy in Hartford back in December, and I gave the girl, my girlfriend, my iPod Touch, to play, like, a game, and I fell asleep in the back of the car. And so I forgot I had kick on my iPod Touch. It was on, like, 8%, so I was like, oh, it'll die in, like, 20 minutes. So I fell asleep. I wake up, and she's, like, really cold. She's very abrasive, and she doesn't really want to talk, and she just wants to leave, and so drop her off. And 
she starts texting me like all this mad stuff or not me but me in quotes me being my dad um what she thought was me turns out she went through my phone found kick and she's like you're talking to this guy and I was like oh fuck my life um and so my dad started freaking out it was like a whole big thing and eighth grade trip we went to DC in April my dad would tell me to send him selfies to send to her like in DC on the coach bus and like yeah and then when I got back at like 10 or 11 p.m. We pulled into my grandparents' house a mile or so away from where I was living at the time. And I was like, Mom, it's 10 o'clock at night. We'd been in the car for seven-ish hours to D.C. I was like, Mom, I just want to go home. I want to go to bed. Like, I have school tomorrow. She's like, this is where we're living now. And I had no idea. I'd just been away for a week. I It was completely out of the blue. And it was pretty clear that my situation and anything that I had done, any argument with my dad, had nothing to do with us leaving. It had actually been an issue while I was away. My dad and my sister got in an argument, and it, like, got physical, I think. I still don't really know. And so my mom moved out with my sister and I for, like, DCF reasons, just so they wouldn't have to get further involved. When I talk about it now with my mom, and I kind of ask her why she didn't really do anything, her thing is oh, but I got you out of that house, like, we moved out, you're separated, but I ended up dating the girl for another month, so I didn't break up with her until May, so I had all of mid-April until mid-May with this girl, and so that's kind of bullshit, because me being in that house, in a different house, didn't really stop the situation from happening, and it's not like I don't see him anymore, it's not like I got an apology, I went to therapy, freshman year of high school to kind of like talk about it plus I was really depressed after my grandmother died and so my therapist at the time thought it'd be a good idea for me to bring my dad in and like have a talk between us and my dad kind of just he came in but was like yeah I'd rather leave it in the past I think we should just forget about it and pretend like basically pretend it never happened at the time it was a little more immediate so I was still kind of numb but also blocking it out in a way, I still haven't really, hadn't really processed it too much. And so I was like, okay, yeah, like, I guess that works. Kind of wanted to help any, like, immediate damage. Not really any long-lasting stuff. I'm still not over <laughs> I, like, started going back to therapy. I've gone back to therapy, like, intermittently. I'm on my fifth therapist. Just because I don't like talk therapy. But I kind of started to realize that I kind of have to, like, bring myself back. I've blocked out a lot of my young adult life. I don't really remember a lot of my childhood because I kind of, I subconsciously just blocked it out. I don't really remember much before my relationship with this girl, aside from, like, parents fighting and, like, that kind of, like, typical kid nerd shouldn't be typical but is typical kid stuff and so I've kind of started to realize how much I've almost missed out on and so I've been trying to like reassess and kind of contemplating forcing myself back into like remembering certain things so I can think about it big picture how I feel now how I felt then and kind of process it all that way I can kind of I don't want to say like move on but like cope with it and kind of understand how to 
exist. I've since realized that my mom is also a victim of his same abuse, not so much in like a physical or like conversion therapy way, but he's just very controlling and very um, demeaning. My sister and I have talked about it and he's very much like stereotypical um, narcissist. So like, we think that he doesn't really care how he does it, but he just wants to get into people's lives and in their heads. So people are always thinking about him and he's left like some impression, whether it's good or bad. So years down the line, they remember him and are talking about him still because my mom and I fight probably like once a month purely based on her, like me not trusting her because of like her not being there for me in the past and just everything that happened with him. I realize that like my biggest issue now with like relationships and people is control. I found myself in a lot of situations trying to be at like the forefront of what I deem to be control. Like I like driving, I like giving directions and I like cooking and kind of being at the top of whatever I'm in. And I kind of realized that I'm trying to like overcompensate in a way. I like my private, like my personal space. My mom is very like touchy and so she likes hugging and like kisses on the cheek and rubbing my back and like my shoulder and stuff like that. And I don't really like it because I see it as like someone entering a space that I want to be mine and she doesn't really respect it. And so I have no control over my own body. Um, and so that comes from obviously my dad, but like a lot of other stuff that's happened since. I don't want to say like as a result of my dad, but it kind of sent me in a downward spiral afterwards. Like in high school when I was a 16 year old, my boyfriend was like 25. Just a lot of inappropriate situations that I probably shouldn't have gotten myself into. But I didn't get that opportunity to explore my sexuality when I was younger. And so I felt like I was held back as if you were like held back from grade school or something like that. I was trying to play catch up. Yeah, when I was a junior in high school, third week of May-ish, I hooked up with this guy and he was a med student and he was like very nice, very handsome, but he was like, he told me he was 30 and I found out later he was like 35. So I was freshly 17, 17 in a month. And so like we hung out twice. He was very friendly, very nice, very hot. And then we hung out a third time and he kind of went too far and didn't really know what the word no meant. And so I kind of totally lost control in that moment. And uh, he's like 35, he's bigger than me, he's taller than me, stronger than me. Yeah. And that was at like probably 11 o'clock midnight. And so I was walking home like 10 blocks, middle of the night, like very scared. Then I just went home and went to bed. Kind of just shut that down and didn't really talk about it with anybody because who was I going to talk to? And when I started realizing I was gay, a lot of the research I was doing, research is a stupid word, but exploring I was doing, I came across stuff about like HIV, AIDS, late 80s, the gay disease, skids, all that kind of stuff. But, um, and I think that's where a lot of my parents' fear came from. 
when I was coming out, because that's, like, what they lived through. They were both early 70s babies, so they were teenagers at, like, the prime of the AIDS epidemic, or they were early 20s. And so I think that's where a lot of their fear from came from. And after that night with the med student, I kind of, like, knew things are wrong, and I kind of knew something was off. Not in, like, a physical sense where I felt sick or anything like that. I just knew that, like, something was wrong. And so I talked to my doc. I had talked to my doctor before about, like, oh, yeah, like, I think I'm gay. I just want to let you know. Like, normal pediatrician stupid stuff. Because, like, when they asked, like, oh, are you sexually active? And I was like, yeah, like, I'm, like, I like guys or whatever. And so I had, like, asked him before about PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis, the medication that one would take kind of like birth control but for HIV and he didn't really know anything about it and so he kind of just didn't think about it and I had like asked before about oh can I get tested like that kind of thing and he never really did anything and so senior year late May so like a year later my high school is having like a get yourself tested day run by like Planned Parenthood and so I kind of just went I think I had a half day that day, so I was, like, walking out, and so my, me and my friend were like, oh, yeah, like, why not? Let's piss in a cup. And I, like, can't pee on command, so I went back, like, twice. And then the second time, while I was, like, waiting to pee in the bathroom, one of the women who was running was like, oh, do you want to, like, go to the other side and get the rapid HIV test? And I was like, why not? I have sex with guys. Like, I might as well. And so it only takes 20 minutes, about, but the nurse, for some reason, she was like, oh, just go home, we'll call you if there's an issue, or we'll call you if you need to come back in. And I was like, okay, bet. And then I went the weekend, hadn't heard a call, it was Friday. And so I went into school Monday, and I get a call down to the nurse, and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, this is it. Apparently I didn't bleed enough, so it was inconclusive. Good to know. Happened again, on the second test, I didn't bleed enough. Third time around, the test tested positive for antibodies, but not antigens. Antigens being the virus itself, antibodies being what your body would produce to fight the virus. And I was like, what the heck? That's like backwards. Normally it takes like a little bit for the body to produce antibodies, but there should be antigens present because that's how science works. And I was like, am I that like kid who is born immune for AIDS? Like, do I just have the cure in my body? No, <laughs> that's not true. I went to a real test and I got one of those blood transfusion things and that was my coffee card May 24th 2016 I have like a little card in my wallet so it's like 12 24 16 so I got my blood drawn and then the next day I left for a trip to Mount Washington and so I hiked Mount Washington but Friday morning before we left, I got a call from the clinic and they're like, are you free today? And I was like, no, I'm leaving in like an hour to go to New Hampshire for the weekend. Sorry. And they're like, oh, when is the earliest you can come? And I was like, I get back Monday so I can come in Tuesday. And then May 31st, I went in and found out I had HIV. It was really scary because I had been talking to someone at the time and like we had hooked up a few times unprotected sex he was on prep but he like just started going back on prep but like he hadn't been on it for two weeks which is typically the good period after two weeks you're probably you're typically like good after taking it religiously and so he freaked out he called me screaming 
not asking how I was, like, how could you do this to me, you're, like, such a little bitch, like, that kind of thing, while I was in the doctor's office crying, and so I didn't really tell anyone, I told, I guess, some of my friends, like, I texted them from the doctor's office, because I was, like, nervous, because I was really confused about the first rapid blood test, so I kind of just, like, updated people, I was like, by the way, fun fact, yeah, I had come out to a lot more people in high school, but even then, like, I told some people who thought I was straight at the time. I couldn't tell my mom. I told my sister, and she asked if I told my mom, and I was like, this is, like, I can't tell her this. Like, this is too much. Can you do it? So she did it. And so my mom came home and, like, started crying. And, like, I was comforting her. It was like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm going to start going on this medication, like, once I see my doctor. And, like, and so it took a little bit to get my medication, and then CVS called me. And they were like, hey, so your medication's here. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll come get it in, like, 30 minutes. Does that work? They were like, yeah, you know, this is, like, $3,000, right? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and this is, like, a once-a-month, like, 30-pill bottle. And I was like, that's not right. So I called my doctor, and she was like, yeah, that's what they do. So she had to write a letter to my insurance company. This is like a life-sustaining medication. He, he will die without it. And so like they're like, okay, bet. Give me 50 cents. <laughs> and I was like, here you go. So it took like a week to do that, to like get onto the medication. But after that, it was like 1230. I had my alarm. It went off in class. It was a lot of fun. I got to take my pill bottle out in front of class. People are really confused. I just, I had pneumonia earlier that year, but like I was coughing up a storm in class. And so I would just, I just told people, it was like, my lungs are still messed up. So it's like to take care of the pneumonia, like something stupid. No one really cared that much. I was just embarrassed. Graduated. And then in June, after I graduated, I was visiting my friend out on Fire Island, because he, him and his friends had a house there, Fire Island Pines, the gay beach, and so I went to go visit him, and my friend, he's like, do you want a job this summer, and I was like, not really, I kind of just graduated high school, I kind of wanted to just hang out, and so he just, like, makes me meet his boss, and then I get hired to work on Fire Island for a summer, it was pretty scary, because I was working in a kitchen, so, like, sharp knives, I was scared of blood, I was scared of my blood, I was scared of myself, um, and it's the kind of environment that's very, 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 very sexual. Everybody's walking around, like, in Speedos, or, like, a jock strap or a thong, or, like, very risque and very flamboyantly, like, sexual, and so it was, like, very uncomfortable for me because like all my coworkers were like that but I was this like 18 year old kid who like had no attraction not no attraction but no like sex drive um just because I was just completely turned off to anybody and everybody no matter how attractive they were and no matter how hard they wanted to hook up with me because I was this like fresh out of high school teenager like gross like sexual fantasy 
And so I didn't really hook up with anybody while I was there. And I kind of just went back to my room and would just sleep for most of the time. Go to the beach and like hang out and tan. Read a lot. And then I left. And then I went to college. And then in August, I found out it's undetectable. So the medication you go on after you found out you have HIV, what it does is it blocks the enzyme. I'm going to Google that to confirm. The drugs in Victarby work by interfering with the enzymes needed by HIV called integrase and reverse transcriptase. Okay, I took all of my pre-med classes. Using Victarby greatly reduces HIV's ability to infect cells and make copies of itself. So basically it's like, not HIV, don't go in that cell, but also don't reproduce, replicate, because HIV is like, fucks like bunnies and so it limits it and so eventually it kind of just dies down in your system and so undetectable is it's changed over the years it's now like less than 20 viral load side comment i don't like the word load (laughs) it makes me really sad every time i say viral load (laughs) but less than 20 like copies of the virus per like some quantity of blood and that's where the test that they run on the blood stop detecting it so it's undetectable in your body and so once you get undetectable which happened August 5th 2016 I don't know if I have the card in my wallet and then I think it was winter of my freshman year my doctor who is the light of my life came up to me and she like had a question for me she's like so i'm working on this legislation i want to know if you'd testify in support of it and i was like what is it and it's basically in the state of connecticut someone under the age of 18 can be treated for hiv if they find out they're like positive uh, without parental consent so, like, if a freaking 17-year-old got her bid at some high school get-yourself-tested day, finds out he has HIV, then he can get on the medication without his parents knowing and without his parents ever finding out. But you can't prevent the disease from happening, so you can't get on PrEP, the pre-exposure prophylaxis that prevents you from ever contracting a disease from anybody, no matter how much unprotected sex you have. So it's like, why don't we try to prevent them from ever having HIV because like it sucks (laughs) and so her idea was that the bill would allow people to get access to PrEP who are under 18 it's a weak point because like teenagers have sex and like they don't know enough to use condoms and stuff like that but without parental consent kind of like the way that birth control works like from my understanding it's pretty accessible like you don't need parental consent to get birth control so it's the same thing but HIV is the baby (laughs) Um, yeah and so it went to the public health committee in my sophomore year of college last year and the public health committee shot it down because the FDA technically hadn't approved it for people under 18 at the time just because there hadn't been enough testing and literally like two to three weeks after 
a public health committee the FDA approved it and we're like okay fuck we can't put it back in because they closed like June 5th or whatever Friday or I don't know and so it came back a year around and so I testified at the public health committee because I couldn't make it last time and passed unanimously in the public health committee then it passed in the senate it was like 35 out of 36 yeses so now the governor just has to sign it which is cool so once the governor signs it like in the state of connecticut any i don't know the like exact specifics but an adolescent under the age of 18 could get um prescribed access to prep pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent the infection uh, um, of hiv without the parent knowing i think that's big moves because alabama had this bill louisiana had it mississippi i don't think i don't think texas did but like alabama had this bill how did connecticut not at this point um but it was emotional testifying i kind of like was scared kind of because it's like a big deal but like the people that i like was working with on it made sure i knew it was a big deal by like doing nice things and like saying you don't have to do this and like stuff like that and i was like i really just want to feel like the least important person in the world right now so i stopped getting nervous because like the more you talk about how big of a deal it is and the more nervous i get and one of like the representatives ended up yielding his time for my testimony which is nice um so I got like unlimited time and I like got to go at the beginning I felt really important which was really scary because I didn't want to mess up or say something stupid or it was a big deal and a lot of reporters like to write your name in articles without asking your permission because it's technically public public record and so like I wasn't too nervous and then some articles started coming out they're like new bill in Connecticut and I was like okay Hartford Current like who cares about Hartford Current like some people in Hartford that I never met will see it and like maybe some people across the state but like no one in New Haven reads the Hartford Current and then a New Haven Independent article came out and I was like okay great but it didn't like have my picture it just said it just said my name New Haven resident and I was like okay like whatever if someone sees it and they like make the connection then fine. U.S. News had an article, San Francisco Chronicle, or one of the San Francisco mag- uh, newspapers had one. South Florida Gay News had one. And then a freaking another New Haven Independent article puts my picture right smack dab in the middle of the thing. So if I ever, like, text someone the article to show them, it's just a picture of me talking. I'm like, okay, great. Like, now everyone knows it's me. And they, like site where I go to school like now and then my site my high school and like my age I'm like okay so that's me here I am now and so a lot of people from like high school um found out one of my teachers from high school found it she emailed me she's like I'm so proud of you like this is such great work like great people like very nice she then emails it to the entire school (laughs) all of the teachers like the literal like list serve or whatever is like insert high school name all (laughs) every single person every administrator every teacher the principal like maybe the custodians got it like who knows 
And so, like, I was like, okay. <laughs> there goes the floodgates. People weren't walking on eggshells, but they were. Because, like, some people knew, but didn't want to tell me they knew. Because they, like, wanted to respect my privacy. Like, I respect that. But I also, like, kind of want to know if you know. Because, like, I'd like to talk to you about it. But also, like, I want to know what I can talk about with you. So, like, if you know this thing about me, I want to know that you know that thing about me. So it was like, I kind of saw both sides of that. But yeah, big moves. I'm very happy that hopefully the governor will sign it. I didn't get a virginity. But I got a virginity. Everyone gets a virginity. Like, I didn't get to choose who I lost my virginity to. Whether it was straight or gay control and then I didn't really get to like choose how I came out to my parents which I guess was like now that I'm thinking about it really ironic because I realized I was gay because of a coming out video and I never got to like do my own and like have my own story I was kind of forced into it I didn't have any control of my life and then I tried to like seek some control and then the universe took what control I had left and took it further away from me and then even further away and so I'm trying to get it back I guess or trying to make it so no other kid gets it taken away I'm at the point where I kind of have to like reflect on everything that's happened whether that's like going to my old house that I haven't been to in seven years looking at my bookcase and like looking at the bed I used to sleep in and like that kind of stuff to kind of like bring back the memories to really understand because I understand the big chunks but I blocked out my childhood before then and I blocked out the little bits of what was happening in that time period that I don't didn't prioritize in my mind because there were so many bigger things happening and so I wanted to kind of understand everything or I want to kind of understand everything full picture in order to reflect on everything and so I have to do a lot of like I don't want to say this word but soul searching memory searching I need to go into like the deep dark web of my memory and get little bits and pieces out put them all on a table make the puzzle and throw the puzzle away not in like a forget about it way but like resolution sort of way so once I've seen it all and put it all together I can figure out what needs to happen for me to move forward then Listeners, the events of this story continued to unfold after our recording, so I wanted to give you this update. On July 9th, 2019, Governor Ned Lamont signed Bill 819 into law, giving minors in the state of Connecticut access, without parental consent, to the HIV prevention medication known as PrEP. As our storyteller put it, that's big moves. And if you know anyone who might need to know about this law, please pass it on. And now for our outro. As always, thanks for listening. Stories is recorded, edited, and everything else by me, Claudia Schatz, with the exception of our music, which was composed by Julia Mitchell. If you have any questions, comments, just want to say hi, or best of all, have a story you'd like to tell on West Stories, please write to me at cschatz at wesleyan.edu. That's C S C H A T Z 
at wesleyan.edu. You can also subscribe to West Stories on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Podbean, and like the West Stories Facebook page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll have more stories to share soon.